and welcome to the Rock Out of Podcasting. I am the aforementioned Rock Out of Podcasting, Charles McFall, and I'm here to bring you some awesome sauce today. High energy, get you motivated, get some fun stories going, and give you something to listen to at the car, and you know, keep your headphones on at work. I highly advise you listening to this show with your children, so it gives you plenty to educate them on in the world. And Daddy, what does that mean? <laughs> because I I treat my children like miniature adults and try to explain to them as best as possible what I'm actually talking about here. I'm just saying it's a rated R show; it's your choice. But you know what? It'll open some doors for you. That's all I'm saying. All right, all right. Enough of that. I need your questions as always. Your everybody who's turned something in, thank you so much. You keep me going. You you take this. In to a new direction that really does become a whole new world about us and what we're learning together and what we're speaking on. What I'm speaking on speaks to all of us. So please keep sending those question in, uh, questions in. Rockoutofpodcasting.com. There's a speak pipe tab. You can use a voicemail. Email is rgop at charlesmcfall.com. You can mail it there. And of course, facebook.com forward slash rockoutofpodcasting. Or if you've actually friended me, Charles McFall, on Facebook, you can message it directly. Twitter is at rockoutofpod. So with all those sources there, there's one more that has been added. If you like what I'm doing, if I am... I don't know, ministering to you or motivating you or at least entertaining you in the time that you're listening. You can help me be bigger, better, better, more. Yeah, I stole that from our morning mom, but I like it. You can help me be awesome. That's a little bit of a bastardization of what Success Freak says. You can go to patreon.com forward slash rock got a podcasting and pledge your support. There's so many different levels there. There's different goals that I've set that I want to reach. We can change the world together. You can be a world rocker, and we'll rock this thing out. Yeah, I definitely keep it with that metalhead energy and that that concert-type format. I love the idea of just we can do great things and have fun doing it. Why do you have to suffer to do something great? So go and pledge your support. Patreon.com forward slash rock god of podcasting. And I got to tell you, Nolan Overton gives a huge heartfelt thank you because he has been the first new listener to go and pledge new support over there. And I will be honest with you, it was the From the Helicarrier Patreon page, and there's a lot of people still hanging out from there. So I am being honest with everybody there saying, hey, take care of your cancelizations or take care of your changes to support because come January... We're going to start rolling this thing out full time. So you've got a month to, to, I love that they supported from the helicarrier, but it's time to make that a new home because that's, that's not going to work on Patreon anymore. So please go to patreon.com forward slash rock got podcasting. Give love, man. Actually, I have another link for you too. rock got podcasting.com forward slash support has every way that you can help out. It has PayPal. It has Patreon. It has iTunes reviews. There's a link right there. You just click on it. It takes you straight to iTunes. It'll open it up on your computer, however it needs to do, and it will let you give a review. It'll help you subscribe. And then one of the things that we do when everybody supports is your name goes on the website right there on that support page. So go check it out. I love you now, Mike, that I've ranted on about give me, give me, give me. (laughs) What do you have to give me, Mike? All right, sir. We're going to touch base with our old buddy, Phil Ramos. And he's actually sent in two questions about career choices. So we're going to fold them both together. And what he wants to know is, uh, Phil says you've stated that you've been an EMT earlier on in your career. What made you get into that line of work? What drew you to it? What did you learn from it? 
and what led you to leave? And he also asks a question about uh, uh, driving for Lyft. So how did you get into Lyft and, and what's it like driving strangers around? And how did that contribute to your life? What are you carrying forward from that experience? So thank you, Phil. Phil, Phil speaking of from the helicarrier, Phil Ramos uh, discovered what I do. And at the time is what I did with Brian Ibbett on that particular show. Uh, he had found the game, found the podcast, jumped in, supported us, actually ended up doing uh, some great things that supported the show as far as content-wise, uh, the MAA Times and remembering things. He's got a real knack for archiving, for for bringing the love of, of things past out. I, I'm not sure what word I'm looking for, but he... He has that passion to go, oh, you remember? It's not just, hey, you remember this time? It's like, no, you, you know, on this date back in this time, look at this exciting thing. And, and it, it, he brought a very fun aspect to, to what we did with From the Helicarrier, and he supported us there. And I love, I, I thank him for, he, he listened to Success Freaks for a while. And I want to say, unless I've gotten my stories mixed up, I told a story on Success Freaks about how I got into Lyft and how I was changing my income stream and, and you know, doing the exciting thing that I do with stuff that I love. And I still drive for Lyft from time to time, and we'll get there. Uh, and th so out of the blue, I get a message from him going, you know, hey, I listened to your Success Freak show, and thank you for that and this and that, and he asked for advice. And I gave him advice on Lyft, and I believe he and his wife possibly are driving for Lyft now because he hit a point in his life that we all hit. Things are tight. Uh, maybe I want to get a big vacation. Maybe I need to do something outside of my means that are currently coming in. And sometimes eating is outside of the means that is currently coming in. And so I, I gave him all the steps and the encouragement for Lyft and, and, and so on and so forth. So we'll start with the first question about, because it's just chronological. My brain works better chronologically telling stories typically. But we'll start with EMS and EMT. What got me started as an EMT? So I've worked just about every, I don't know why I'm about to say show, every job under the sun, every type of job. My very first job, and this is will be short enough and lead into the the direct reasons and, and everything there, but I got to tell the story. So every, my first job was when I was 10, I want to say, I was out mowing grasses. You know, that's a standard Southern thing, cutting grass with a lawnmower as a kid, getting $10 for the front yard or $12 for both front and back, which was a horrible business scheme, mom, horrible business scheme. That's bad pricing. <laughs> Uh, or if somewhere in there, I don't remember. Anyway, my parents got me to do that. They were teaching me responsibility early on, and I did that. And then when I was, I think I was 15 at the time that I got my first W 2 job, which uh, because homeschooled, I could work interesting hours, and, and I ended up getting a day job at a, a local grocery store that was owned. They only had like six in the area, is it it owned by a mom and pop place. Hated it. So freaking redneck Southern, so good old boy system where they openly told jokes about black people to black people and tried to make them laugh. racist. It, it was just, it had its major issues. And I, of course, had my own issues. So I, I started as a bag boy and worked in produce and just did different things there. Kind um, of have some, some shit stories for that. Um, I do know I ended up, Working there while I was 16 for sure because I learned to drive a stick from a girl who worked there because my dad my dad had been trying to teach me to drive a stick because that was a car I needed to get back and forth to work. 
I remember he had to go out of town, and this girl was just like, Here, here's a quick lesson on driving a stick shift. Floor it. You put the clutch in, floor it, and go. We don't really floor it, but you pop you pop the clutch, basically, and you'll learn to smooth it out. But that's how you keep from, uh, uh, how do I get the balance? She goes, no, just press it down, hit the gas, let go of the clutch, and hold on tight. And that worked for me. And I ultimately did smooth it out to where I'm a very, very good driver. Then I left there. Let's see. I'm not going to go in all total order, but I've worked in fast food multiple times. Lounge on Silver's, Taco Bell, uh, Chick-fil-A. Definitely did those jobs. Uh, I've worked uh, for a roller skating rink. That was possibly the worst job ever. Right there with delivering newspapers was a really shitty job. Uh, the pay scheme on that is horrible. I've worked in an apartment store. I worked for Sears, I think it was, in the automotive section. So I've worked for an automotive store, but I was a salesman. I wasn't an actual grease monkey. That would have been better. Grease monkeys get paid better, and they have better skills. I had no skills, so I had to be a salesman. I've done all kind of crazy jobs throughout my life, basically taking on anything and everything that I can. So I go to college, right? And and some of those, most of those jobs were before college. But I go to college, and I'm in this nice bubble. My tuition's getting paid for by doing some work study programs, where I had to have a morning job and an afternoon job and a night job. But it, it, it balanced out okay. It wasn't like it's not a, a campus job is not like having a job nine to five or, or even a part time job where they make your schedule and you have to go and show up and balance studying and all that. A campus job at this particular school was we're going to work outside of your school schedule. So the morning job was you had to get up before classes started and the classes really didn't start till about eight more or less. So, I mean, I'm up at 5.36, go wash dishes in the, the cafeteria, and then head out and go about my day. And then my afternoon job was uh, working traffic with uh, the police, the on-campus police department. And then my night job was cleaning. I would go on a cleaning crew and we'd clean. I think we only had one building. So you weren't really out early and late a ton, but, you know, there was – they left – normal dinner time to to i mean my cleaning job didn't start till like 9 p.m so basically from dinner and they had no classes beyond dinner so from dinner time to 9 p.m was study time and those kind of things so they, it wasn't a huge amount so it was a bubble but as i was there with the the on-campus police department they had an ambulance on the campus they had a hospital on the campus uh urgent care and lo- you know longer term decent care type of hospital on campus it was for their nursing school, right? And I don't think, I, I don't believe they had a pre-med, but maybe they had a pre-med. They definitely did not have a doctoral school, I don't think, not in that sense. It's a religious school, so they had a doctoral school in the preacher sense. Uh, but my curiosity was, okay, what happens if there's an emergency? And said, well, basically we're first responders. There are two commissioned police officers, campus police still, but I think they, they had to go through certain special training. They weren't just students or they weren't students at all, maybe. But they basically had two quote unquote officers on duty at night, you know, patrolling the campus. And then there were some students doing foot patrols and this kind of things. One of the officers, if there was an emergency, would go get the ambulance and drive it over to the dorm or wherever the emergency was. The other person would respond directly. They had jump kits and basic training and all this other stuff. And, of course, they would call 911 because uh, you, if it was a serious, true emergency, they would need to hand it off to an ambulance that would take them off campus to an emergency room and those kind of things. And I'm watching this. And I'm like, it just intrigued me. Everything is interesting to me in life. And I want to try that. I want to try this. I want to 
And I'd always, I actually went to school for criminal justice at this time and wanted to be a police officer. Actually, I wanted to be a U.S. Marshal then because I saw, I saw U.S. Marshals. I love the idea of tracking people down and tracking the bad guys down and putting them back in jail and all that jazz. So that was my particular branch that I wanted to do. But I remember one day seeing a guy who was basically my age, who was a student who had, I don't know if he's a first responder or what he was doing, or if he got, maybe he'd gotten his EMT license in South Carolina. And not only did he get to uh, respond as a campus officer, he was off duty and had worked with the ambulance crew that had come on to the campus to pick up. Somebody broke their leg or something. And he got to go with them, or or maybe he was the one working. I can't remember. I was like, "Hey, wait, what? You're you're this really cool guy. What's up with that?" And so I asked him about it, and he said, "I remember him telling me he was this a great uh, side job to get through college because you you basically it's at least with that service you kind of got this you set up your own hours and worked around your schedule it paid decently and it's exciting. So all that stuck in my brain." And I go home after the first year of school, and I'm not going back to that school. There, that's a whole nother story. Bob Jones University, fundamentalist Christian school, and yes, you are listening to the Rock Kind of Podcasting, and and there's uh, so there's a lot of interesting stories that have never been told about that time at school that uh, led us to a mutually agreed I'm not coming back. Technically, they would allow they allowed would allow me to re enroll at that point for a, a second year. You know, I graduated freshman. You know, passed all my classes. Is what I mean by that, and I could have gone back as a sophomore. But it was very tenuous. It was I I was within the danger zone of getting expelled from school with my demerits, and that's a whole another long bullshit story. But I left there coming back, going okay. My parents and ingrained in me you have to go to school you have to go to school to get a job you can't you don't want to flip burgers the rest of your life i swear to god mom that's exactly what you said to me through many years of high school and i don't know if after college you said it but that you said those words so you know whatever that damaged me for fast food and, and i am the type of person who absolutely wants to make something huge out of my life to be that that destined for greatness guy that i know that i am be the best at everything that i do and really just lead that's that's who i am to aspire to a minimum wage job of just staying on this grill and flipping a hamburger or just staying you know behind a register that would never suit my life it it would stagnate and it wouldn't pay the bills i mean you, you I understand why people are. I understand the emotional motivation why people are protesting McDonald's and wanting the minimum wage to be raised to fifteen dollars an hour. I fully believe there's a different answer to make things better for people. Minimum wage maybe being raised maybe is, is one of the lesser answers, one of the weaker answers. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm gonna stop there. But my point is, I understand the emotional drive of eight dollars an hour will never feed my family. Even at 40 hours a week, it doesn't. And fast food doesn't do 40 hours a week. My whole point is back to the story at hand. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the Hall of Justice where he stayed on task. <laughs> I went home going, okay, I have to find another school, but I don't know what I want to do now. I'm not sure what my next step will be. So in the meantime, I will get a job. I will do this. And hey, this EMT thing that looked exciting and medicine procedures, you know, that's why a cop, came being easy to me as far as memorizing procedures procedures are easy for me i understand this means this means that that's what you do that doesn't mean i act out of it and being a police officer would have been a very poor choice for me with my anger issues and my sense of injustice and 
But Madison came even easier because Madison, in my brain, the way I see it is quite literally A plus B equals C. Now, yeah, there's a mystery to it because A plus B could equal C, D, or E, or F, and you have to figure out maybe which one. Is there another one we can plug in here that lets us get to a better answer? There's a, that sense of mystery. And, oh, I can figure it out. That I loved about it. The excitement of Lights and Sirens, being the hero. To be honest, I had a hero complex, man. I had a hero complex. I, I, I loved Batman my entire life because he got it. He said, screw that noise. There was lines he had, right? Uh, he didn't just go murder people and, and this and that and the other. In the comics, he has these lines. Now he has killed people and this and that and the other. But, but I saw this thing of he's just disincarnate, right? He does what the cops can't do. He has no problems beating the crap out of somebody. He has no problems teaching lessons, leaving them hanging upside down for the police to put them in lockup. You know, he fights the bad guys in a literal sense. And I... I I really clicked in with that, and he was dark and brooding in this sense of loss and, and how he didn't care, and I think I wished I didn't care. So I, I built this hero complex of I want to save people because I needed saving. I felt so lost in my life, I needed saving, and that built into a hero complex that I wanted to save people and be the hero, protect those who couldn't protect themselves. And so I, I remembered what the guy said. It's an exciting, easy job that you can make some money on the side. So I said, I'll do this, and I checked into it. And it was a nine-month class. All right, for nine months, I can easily go work at a fast food joint. That's when I worked for Chick-fil-A. I got a job there. Of course, became assistant manager, you know, some kind of manager very quickly. Actually, was promised that right out of the gate with my background uh, and the way I, I taught to people and treated life. was, Yeah, you know, when we can, we'll make it a manager, blah, blah. And I actually considered making that a career. I considered everything I ever did making it a career because here's the thing. Flipping hamburgers is a very oversimplistic way of looking at fast food. There are other opportunities. There are many opportunities. Ultimately, you can own a bunch of locations. You can become a part of corporate office. You, know, you can rise up, do great things, have fun in what you're doing, and make a lot of money and have a decent career. I was working at Chick-fil-A, ended up going to nine months of EMT school, two nights a week, I think it was. And it's been so long, I can't remember if it's three nights or two nights finished top of my class man had a 4.0 or 3.96 or something because it was still attached to a tech school it was athens tech uh, which was not part of the university system at the time and so there was a gpa and all this other stuff but really the idea is you learn a skill i mean that's the bottom line i i'm really adept at being a student when everything is taken care of when money is made and i don't have to worry about it i'm really great at being a student and can learn well. And I used to love it a lot. Now I just I want to go change the world. Now it's time for my greatness to shine. Now it's time for me to be who I am. And the desire to be a student has gone away. So when I do have to learn something, I want to learn it on my terms. That's why I love YouTube. That's why I, I say just okay, just give me the manual. And I did that. A little quick story at PDS Heart. They were looking at bringing in a new piece of software to help consult on it. And along with some other people, and we all decided on one new piece of software. And they're like, hey, we're going to bring in somebody to train. And you're like, no, don't do that. Let me play with it. And they still insisted on the company who sold it. No, 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 we got to show you. And the guy sat down, and within, and everybody around me just kind of watched like a TV show. Not not standing around, but they, they were doing their work, but they were watching because they knew what was going to happen. Sure enough, man, within 20 minutes, I schooled that fool on his own software saying, how do you do this? I don't think it, oh, no, wait, here. And I'd figure it out because I know how to figure this stuff out. You can't, it, it's very difficult for somebody to teach me nowadays 
because my brain is so fucking fast and I've put my experience to it of learning and how this has worked in the past and how I think. And I don't think like a coder and I sure as hell don't think like a salesman who's supposed to be training me because that's what he was, was a salesman trying to train us. And I mean, within 20 minutes, I, he was a laughing stock and I tried to give him every out. But I was in bear calling days, brutally honest, man. I don't give a shit about you. And I didn't. I said, no, let me play with it. He he insisted on trying to make me do it his way. And like, nope. Well, can we do this? Can we do that? Well, no, I don't think it can. Uh, oh, look, here, it can. And put, I mean, I ran fucking circles around him. <laughs> My point is, I learned fast and I learned well. Just leave me alone. Let me figure it out. I, and I will ask the questions that need to be asked. And I'll go to YouTube. But I will learn so much faster than you can possibly teach me, typically. EMT school did that, did very well in my class, passed the first time out, was also at the end, towards the end of that, no, it's a paramedic, so, so yes, right, so I got it, uh, found a job on the ambulance, so that was the motivation, you asked why I got into EMS, it, it was all those reasons, it was an easy job, it was always supposed to be until I do my next thing, of course it can be an honorable career, you're serving the community, no big, uh, no, no slight there meant, but I got in going, Oh my god. And like I said, I consider everything that I did at the time, I always considered it to be a possible career. And so I get a job. It didn't go well. I learned a lot of things the hard way. Uh rookie mistakes and bad po I hate politics. I fucking hate politics. I mean that in the US governmental sense. I mean that in the religious church sense of how you think your church needs to run. And but about fuck you. And I definitely hated it in the job sense. And, and the more politics or more control you try to put on me, the louder my personality is. Like any of those cartoons you've watched where the superhero is super strong and they pile up on him to hold him down, and all of a sudden he, it just makes him stronger, right? It seems like the pile-up makes the superhero stronger, and they explode out, and everybody goes flying. That's me. The more control you try to put on me, either I will leave or I will explode out and, and destroy you in the process and change things for the better. So... I got my first job was at a hospital that was very political, very corporate structured, made no sense, gave no, had so many double standards. And that's part of control is such a double standard that I did. I, I failed there. I failed. And they ultimately took me off the calendar because that's what it was. I was part-time PRN, which means per requisite necessite, which is Latin for if we need you, uh, <laughs> per required need. Um, so, uh, uh, they just said, okay, you're PRN, you're not working out. We're just going to take you off the schedule. All right. I got to walk out in shame. Thank you for that. And, and no, you know, they, eh, it was some bullshit. None of that I didn't deserve it. I deserved, but I did, I did deserve training. I des I deserved help. I was a fucking rookie. I was 18, 19 years old at this time. I went to college when I was 17 years old. I turned 18 in school. And so when I came out of school, I turned 19 during the class, EMT class. So I wasn't even 20 years old at this time. I needed guidance. I needed training. I was fresh out of school. You're a bunch of dickbags is what you were. And so I, I lost that job, ended up going to Taco Bell. I kept putting out for jobs, kept trying. Ended up uh, at a place that really did train me called National EMS. And they were really great. They... They gave they had strong people to give me guidance and resistance when I was being a full headed twenty year old and you know strong headed twenty year old. They gave me people who could show me different ways to do things to you know teach me and guide me and it was really great. And I always want to say about Huey Atkins and 
and while there were other people definitely involved, he was the one who saw the potential in me. He was the one who spent the most time with me, uh, investing in me growing as a person. Uh, and Chuck, Chuck Savage as well. Chuck Savage was my partner for a year, year and a half, especially through paramedic school. And he showed me a lot of medicine and how to, to be a man. But Huey was the gatekeeper and the one that kept coming back around. He was the, the director of the County. And he was the one that said, would have talks with me about my behavior and how it could change. And he would always, he never made me feel little, never made me feel little. He always made me feel like a human being that, Hey, this was a mistake. And no, we, we never want you to make that mistake again. I, one of the things I did one night, I was just at a desk and I was bored and people had scratched some stuff into it. So I took a key and I'm a huge Metallica fan. And the song die, die, die. My darling was, was in there. And I was like, Oh man, somebody will see this and realize it's Metallica and think it's cool. So I, I scratched in a small space. I think I put die, 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 my darling or something like that. And some idiot came in and went, Oh my God, what the hell is this? It made a huge deal about it. And Huey had to sit me down and go, so did you carve something into a desk? Like, I felt she was like, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to like destroy your property. I wasn't trying to be vandal. Just other people scratched. I was like, no, no, no. You know, it's, you know, we're not worried about the desk. You didn't like really damage it. It's an old piece of desk. Um, but you need help because you scratched. I, I, I was like, I didn't understand where he was going. I was like, Oh no, no, it's Metallica, man. It's, it's, it was supposed to be some other Metallica fan would see it and be all oh, that's cool because there, I know there's people who are metalheads and EMS and this and he's like, well, you can see why somebody might, might uh, have a problem with that. And I, I, he's probably more stern, but dude, this is how I remember it. So this is the energy he put on it. It was very much a, yeah, that was wrong. Let me show you why it was wrong. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I never even considered it that way. And, and, and dude, I felt so bad. And the person who made us think about it, she ended up leaving. She was a stupid fuck. But that wasn't the point. The point was my behavior did trigger something. And he goes, okay, I believe you. I, I, I feel like you're not trying to kill people. You're not psychotic. I've always seen potential in you. Let's never do that again. Well, I agreed. I, I'm sorry, man. And, and I think we did something like to scratch it out or cover it up. And I'm like, mea culpa, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll pay for it. And he's like, you know, he felt like I learned my lesson. Is that those kind of things happen? I mean, I did really stupid shit and I never got politicized. Never like, well, you know, we're going to make a point out of you. No, no, no. I always felt like I was somebody worth training with Huey. And he was an amazing guy. So that really, that kind of thing helped me really grow in ems ultimately went to paramedic school with the help of chuck savage and huey atkins and them encouraging me and helping me and it, it, it it's it was an amazing time in my life and i became a paramedic got married there's a lot of stuff there but i gotta tell you phil i called you paul earlier i don't know why the hell i called you phil ramos i apologize sir uh, but <laughs> Phil, Phil has known me long enough with the from the helicarrier names are not always my strong suit. And I did say not always because I actually, when I pay attention and focus my brain, I'm not trying to do something else. I will absolutely remember names of things all the time. But especially when it came to that show and the different gear and the different things, I was, I, whatever, you know, I just make up a name for it. And instead of spending time to focus my brain and go through the steps to remember what it was, I would just make up a name. So Paul, Phil Ramos, <laughs> the 15th, uh, you, you understand, man. I, I'm sure you're laughing at that. Phil, I, but I do apologize for calling you the wrong name.
<laughs> so here's the thing. So I get an EMS and I'm loving it. And I am making a difference. I'm saving lives. I'm, I guess I had to learn new aspects of what that meant. It's not just, it's never just, oh, the tones go off. Somebody's having a heart attack and I saved them. Da, 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 da. No, man, there's so many levels. And the biggest life I ever saved was this lady. And I wish I could remember her name, although for HIPAA reasons, it's probably good that I don't. And we had to do a thing called non-emergency transports, which meant was so boring. It was like, ah, because here's my day. I mean, my partner worked a second job in a busy service. He wanted to come in and sleep. I was kind of lazy and just wanted to play my games and, and develop podcasting. You know, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I've developed my conversational skills. And I had my life. And so we'd come and live there for 24 hours, and we'd want to come in. And you're really... It got to a point with bad attitudes around me. I adopted a bad attitude of, I don't want to do anything today. I just want to come in and get paid. Well, that is that is a really bad way to be. And in corporate America, that's a horrible way to be. Because if you just come in and get paid and don't do a job, there's no income coming in. And the company goes under. So you want business. You want to be busy. But there, it's a little different. The county supplemented the income and this and that and the other. It's a service that needs to be provided for the emergencies. And yeah, when those tones dropped and it was a major car wreck, then adrenaline gets running. You know, oh, you're going to go. It's all that stuff you see on TV and you go out and save a life. But when they call you and they go, well, we have this non-emergency transport or even worse when it's scheduled ahead of time. And no, it's a good thing. But at the time my attitude was even worse. It's scheduled ahead of time. You know, this lady has to go to dialysis. She's in the nursing home in town and, she has to go at this time and, and your truck has to take her cause you swap at this time. And then that blah, 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 blah. It's a back and forth thing. And, oh, fine. And it's going to happen every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So at least two times out of your week on most weeks, you're going to have to deal with this. Oh, ah, shit attitude. But the short version of a very long story there is we got into it. About that time, my grandmother fell, and my grandfather told the story of how great the paramedics were because she was diabetic. She was out, she had a low sugar in the mornings. Why she fell? She was trying to get her medicine. She was out of her mind, and she broke her hip and was didn't know who they were. Was screaming, fighting them, scratching at them, and they were just nice and calm until they understood the situation. And I felt like shit because while that is a true nine one one situation, and while in that situation I absolutely would have acted the same way. I was not acting that way with this patient, with this lady. I was just writing her off. So because I felt bad, because I wanted to be like those medics that, that influenced my grandfather's life, because I wanted to, to be that guy, I changed. I started talking to her and investing energy into her, and my partner did the same thing, and he liked where I was going with this. And the short version is she did ultimately pass away right from from failure of whatever you know age but but she went from being literally gray color non-responsive just a, a husk of a body there to somebody who had full color was vibrant and looked forward to us coming this to talk to her because we were her outlet for life we were this different kind of people who treated her like a human being we got her cake on her birthday i know i've told this story before i just went for those who haven't heard it we got her a cake on her birthday. It made all the difference in the world to her. We, uh, uh, one day when she was in dialysis, we had some 911 calls we had to run. We couldn't go pick her up. She was supposed to be back by lunchtime to the nursing home to eat her lunch. 
we could not go get her because we were doing other things. So the second we could, we stopped by Wendy's. We knew Wendy's was one of her favorite foods. So we stopped by and bought her lunch so she could eat it. And while technically we weren't supposed to, or you know, we cleaned it up afterwards, we let her eat that lunch in the back of the ambulance, uh, even though you're not really supposed to do that. And it, it made a difference. And I, I got to see what fucking positive energy and having a better attitude and investing it in somebody else, I got to see how that, that saves lives and it changed it. It changed her life from rotting away and who knows when she would have died to living a vibrant experience as vibrant an experience as you could have in the situation she was in where she lived in a nursing home, which is shit. It just is. And having to have dialysis, which if you don't know what that is, you get plugged up to a machine that puts hoses to ports in your body and it changes. It pumps you full of fluid and it takes the fluid out because your kidneys don't work right. Or at all. And that's the only way to not get toxic and die. So she has to do that. She has to be hooked to machines to pee, basically. And it, it, it just made a better situation out of her life. So I get in that. And during that time, you know, I'm sitting there and somebody would come in like, yeah, you know, I just, I want to do this other thing. And I would always think, why the hell would you ever want to leave this job? And I got to tell you, in my life, when I've had those moments, I've learned to recognize it now. When I learned to say, this is all there is to life. Why the hell would you want to do anything else? I always follow that other path, the why the hell path. And that just happened over and over again with with different people of not wanting to work where we were working. Well, why did you want to do that? Well, ultimately, I worked other places, and I found reasons why. Uh, why would you ever want to get out of this field? Well, I got out, Phil, because it was the right thing for me to do. So I got in for the reasons I needed to get into. I learned a lot of lessons there was a call that did burn me out that I won't go into here because I, I want to get I want to get to the other part of the story about Lyft. And it didn't cause me to leave, but it definitely caused me to question everything in life. And it was a questioning of my life and what I wanted to do with it that led me down a different path because of what I took into the job, the stuff I brought with me, the lessons I had to learn to let go of a lot of burdens and deal with a lot of shit in my own life, I mean, led me to walking away. It led me to, because at the time, especially, it was very tough to have a career as a paramedic. The most I personally ever made as a paramedic was $10 an hour. And yeah, that's some overtime built in, but you're talking about thirty dollars to $32,000 a year is what I made. That was tough. And I spent five years trying to break that barrier. Could not break it. Could not get past that barrier of $35,000. And I mismanage my money. Absolutely. I make less than that now. And I feed my family. But at the time, I didn't know how to do that. I had no lessons learned, no experiences. And I was bad with my money. And it was very, very difficult to have a family life with that on 35000 Now I've wised up and things are better. But that was one of the things that drove me out is I had to file bankruptcy. And my belief was there is no future for me here because the future really is where I am now with the talking. I started podcasting towards the end of my paramedic career. I really had that passion and that energy and it connected me and it's definitely gone down a path that I needed to go down is what I was born to do. But I, I, somebody said this about something else. I love this phrase. So I'm going to appropriate it for myself in my own situation. Podcasting was made for me. Podcasting was born for me. I wasn't born to podcast. It was born for me. And it's, it's, that's such an amazing thing that I truly believe is that, God, think about that. I was so ready for this, that a whole thing that didn't exist. Granted, it came about, sure, you can say it came about for other reasons. I don't care. My reasons are this thing was created because this was the path I needed to be on. 
So what caused me to leave paramedic medicine was the desire to have a better life for my family. I, to this day, loved the schedule. I worked for one full day. Sometimes I was actually 24 hours. Most of the time it was for eight, combined eight hours or so. And the rest of the time I got to eat my dinner. I got to hang out, work on my podcast or play my games, sleep, you name it. You know, I got to do it. That's a great schedule. And I'd have two full days off to be with my family. And I was doing that when Oakland was born, my oldest now. I got to see him walk his first steps. I got to be there for every milestone. I I got to be fully involved as I wanted to be with my family. To the point, actually, that bothered my wife that he wanted me if he got hurt. He wanted me instead of my wife. With my daughter, she was born at the time that I had to transition out. I changed my priorities from, I want this small life. And that's what I held on to, Phil, was I wanted this small life. I wanted this life that literally, dude, let me go in and for the most part, I ran a full 48 hour shift one day. That's two days with no calls. The first day, my partner and I both were working the same 48 hour shift. We had signed up together. So the first day we went and bought enough food for two days for three, for, we don't really do breakfast. We do coffee. So for four meals and snacks for two full days. And so that's the only time we left the station was for that. We cooked our meals. We actually, it was a great weekend. I think we watched uh, a marathon of House. He had, uh, it's either House or Lost. I can't remember which one we watched. But we just, he had the DVD, so we just watched them back to back to back. It was amazing. And I got to do that. I got to watch marathons of TV. I got to hang out with my wife. She'd bring the kids up and, and see me. Or actually, we only had the one child then. And I got to, I brought my, my Xbox or whatever it was with me and had a separate TV. And I got to play my games and goof off. And that was the life I loved because I could then dedicate my time to my wife and family when I was home. But the fact was, we were bankrupt. We weren't paying our bills. We could have absolutely take responsibility for that. It was just non-existent. It, w- it wasn't happening. So as I went through that, go okay, I got to get my life in order. What are my priorities? Well, my priorities were me at the time. What do I want to do? And I said, I want to change that priority. I want to make my wife and my child my priority, feeding them, making her happy, stability. That's what I desire. Family first is what I desire. And I started looking for other jobs. And especially when my daughter was born, I went on family leave for a couple of weeks. And during those weeks, I really started looking for other jobs. And it was anything. I have a freaking business degree, associates in business management. It's done nothing ever for me. Other, I mean, the process taught me some lessons, but the degree itself, nothing. It's bullshit. And yeah, ask me about how you get ahead in life and education and, and the shit you get shoved down your throat is stupid. I love now that our society's waking up to it. A little side note, I love that our society's waking up to that and going, I've seen cartoons that go, uh, that just the other day on Facebook, somebody posted an editorial cartoon that showed this guy's basically going to get a four-year degree, mocking the other person. He's getting a four-year degree, and his job's going to start at like 25000 a year at best if he gets one, a liberal arts degree, I think is what it said. And the guy he was mocking says, I, you know, I'm going to this tech school to, to learn to weld or something like that, to learn a skill. And it showed his job, his, his would be like a one-year degree, maybe two, but he would start off at fifty to eighty thousand a year with his skill, whereas the the other degree who was mocking him at four years would only hope to start at twenty five. And yeah, you make your own path and whatever. But that's my point. 
fuck this lie that we have. You have to have a degree to get in. You're an idiot to believe anybody says you have to. The person telling you you have to do something to get ahead is the person who never got ahead and and or attributed it or thinks they're just they didn't do it. They think this other shit did it for them. No, I am the goddamn shining example of that's bullshit. I have done everything in my life. I've gotten ahead everywhere because of who I am and what I know how to do and how I understand myself and never because of some piece of paper or some hoop I jumped through. Oh, you learned this. Now we're going to give you another $100,000. No, it's always been I know what I'm doing and I can learn what new to do and I know how to grow. So that's why I got out of EMS is I needed a new job. I got one actually still using my paramedic skills, reading heart rhythms, but the job, the pay was stable. It was so good. Another reason, honestly, Phil, that drove me out was it's stressful. Yeah, it is. When you deal with some bad calls, uh, uh, kids dying, you know, some horrible stuff. Uh, what other? Everybody has their own definition of horrible. There are calls that will affect you. Yes, that was stressful. There was a lot of stress. But the biggest stress was most EMS pays every two weeks. But with our schedule, here's how that works. For a two-week paycheck, it's a cycle of three. So for a two-week paycheck, you get, let's say, 700 bucks, And then the second two-week paycheck, you get $700. But the third week, because the way it works is you work 24 on, 48 off. So you're working every third day. When one two-week period, that's going to be six shifts. The second two-week period, that's six shifts. The third two-week period, that's five shifts. And that last shift is all overtime. So it goes from, let's say, I'm just using random numbers, but a paycheck for 700 and a paycheck for 700, you know how to plan your bills. The third paycheck would be for like 450. It would just drop significantly from what you were getting. And it hurt so much to have that instability there. And yes, again, there are methods. Dave Ramsey taught me that I could have absolutely managed my money. The universe didn't put that in my path at the time. But that was a big reason, the instability of making money. The stress of, yeah, the day, my wife was stressed every time I walked out the door thinking maybe I wouldn't come home or maybe something tragic would happen, like a disease or something, because I'm exposed to diseases all the time. Not nearly as much as you might over-dramatize in your brain, but it is a thing. So that, that was my ultimate goal of, of I needed a better life for my family and for myself, and I started on a different path. So, yeah, I did that. I got a, a stable job. I got stable money. Now, of course, you've heard me say there's no such thing as a secure job. Everything goes away eventually. It's it's whatever. But what you asked about, secondly, was Lyft. How, do I, how did I get into Lyft? And what has it taught me about society and people and interactions? And great question, man. Really, really awesome question. I'm always looking for income streams, revenue streams, different ways to do things. I've always been open to just however money comes to me. And I do love it. My wife, I've stopped saying it as much because it really bugged her. She didn't remember it saying it sometime. And I guess I said it so much because I loved it. I loved it. It was such a moment of insight for her. But for whatever reason, it became maybe overused, I guess. Uh, I stopped saying it. But at some point, she would say openly, when people ask you, what did your husband do? She's she knew, but the easy answer basically was, and she told herself this lie for a little bit. I don't know. He just tells people to pay him, and they do. But I love that. It's like, that's perfect for life. I go and be me and say, hey, pay me for this, and people do. And it's amazing and fun and, and hard. 
hard because you never know when a stream is going to dry up. You never know when something's going to go away, but something always comes to replace it. And that's been my life. And I've done it the, the traditional sheep matrix way for so long. Oh, oh, get this job. And, oh, you have to work up this. Oh, they fired me. Oh, or, oh, the blob went away. Quit. I've worked a number of jobs that just went away. They, they went under. They just wasn't there anymore. So I'm always open to new ways of making money. Now, I've always driven, personally, beaters. Uh, beat up cars that are older and I don't care how they look on the outside as long as it gets me from A to B. I've always been a poor mentality kind of person. That's a whole nother show. It just plays into here a little bit. Poor mentality says you can't. Uh, I can only, I have to, oh my God, I'm going to put off the oil change for a while because I just don't have $18. Well, ultimately that destroys your truck and I've been there. So, I I knew about Uber. I'd heard about Uber. You know, it had gotten onto the TV shows and and you know, Jim at the time it was new. Jimmy Kimmel was driving Uber to surprise people and so on and so forth. Uh, and I went, but I never have a need for that where I live. But I went to California for a conference that I was paid to go to. I went with Marcy Rosenbaum, amazing lady. This was an amazing time. I went as her producer, was recording on location, uh, different interviews, was coaching her because uh, she had to speak a couple of times, was really helping her, you know, coaching her nerves and this and that and giving her feedback that she needed, which is she's really amazing on stage. Great trip, amazing trip. Of course, when I land, I have two options. I've traveled before. I know what cabs cost. They're expensive as shit. And it is what it is. But I had this option. So sure enough, I th I took a cab from the airport to the hotel. And it was you know expensive. And I'm at the, the hotel and I realize I didn't have a recorder that I needed, which is a long story short. I did have it. It was in a pocket. I'd been smart and put it in a special pocket. Cause I take my backpack everywhere. I put it in my special pocket, in my backpack. I forgot that pocket existed because it's a fairly new backpack with tons of pockets. And I, I made the mistake of not opening it all the way up and taking it apart. <laughs> it was there. But anyway, the short version is I had to find a best buy near me and go buy a new recorder so we would have it as a, a backup to to whatever so i'm like screw this noise i'm not gonna take a cab over there i'm gonna try this uber thing out especially since i learned from my wife to go find codes and i found a code for uber to save me money i think i got two free trips or something out of it and so i order an uber the guy drives up in a really nice car now it's weird and i chopped it up to be in california because he was just on his way to some beach to go windsurfing so he was in his swim trunks and a beach shirt. And he drives up in this really nice car. And I expect it to be like a taxi to get in the back. So no, you drive in the front. And I mean, the whole thing just threw me off. Like, you are not very professional, sir. But this is interesting. And I, I, I do what I do. I ask him about why he does it. How does he get paid? What's it? How does it work out? And I, in the short version, I found out you can just do it whenever the hell you want. That's awesome. Of course, I was driving a beater at the time, so I just filed it away. I took an Uber back at a whole different experience, but but still same. Very nice guy, willing to talk to me. I asked him the same questions. He used to drive a cab. He quit driving a cab to do this because it gave him more control over his life and what he could do. Awesome. All stuff that feeds into me. 
you know, I get to make my own path. I can choose when it works for me, those kind of things. But again, driving a piece of shit car. Uh, actually, I think at that time I was driving a beat up car that wasn't even mine. I believe that I was driving my father-in-law's Jeep to get back and forth to the jobs that I had. So the story comes around where we paid off my wife's van and we we celebrated that. And then she just, she hated the idea of using somebody else's car. She wanted something for me. And we go through the process. I, I want a hybrid. I want something because I know how much I drove at the time. And I wanted the possibility of driving for Uber. I wanted a hybrid, basically, something that got the most miles possible. And she wanted a budget of $150 a month or less. And instead of us fighting each other, we both said, okay, that's what we want. And sure enough, we got this miracle car that was 10 years old, 2004 Honda Civic Hybrid. Got amazing mileage and only had 48,000 miles on it at 10 years old. It was owned by a doctor, stayed at the beach house, never really got driven. It was amazingly low on the mileage. So we got this miracle car and they didn't even know what the price it. And they ultimately worked with our bank to come up with a price that gave us the payment we wanted uh, because we got gap insurance on it. It came to 158 a month for this car, practically brand new, great condition. It's a Honda. So they hold their condition. Well, as long as you take care of them, it's been amazing on mileage. And so immediately I got at home and I go to apply for Lyft and it's just outside of their range of years of car. This was in 2015. And so it was just, no, we're in 216. So it might have been at the end of, is I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It was roughly, I'd, let's just say 2015. Uh, I applied for Uber. It was just out of the range of car. It said my car was too old. Because that's all they look at is the age of your car. And every area is different. Everybody's different. So I was, I was heartbroken. And I think in my search for applying for Uber, I'd seen Lyft pop up. I hadn't heard of them before. So I'm like, well, you know what? Let me look at it. I love uh, Phil. I love their energy. I love their bright pink. It's just this happy, positive energy to it. Everything they write is just fun and awesome. And let's let's help each other out. And short of actually using the words in their promotional material, it's help others be awesome. You know, it just resonated everywhere with me. And then I opened up, I downloaded the app and did the application. Or maybe I did online, I don't remember. And they took my car. Like, yeah, no, that's great. We're going to assign you a mentor. They're going to come out and look at your car. They're going to ask you any questions, teach you what you need to know. And he came out and it took maybe 30 minutes. He took my picture. He took my car's picture. He looked at it said it was great. Done. I can get on the road. That's awesome. And it became a way to make extra money. I was working at a hotel at the time that was doing okay to pay my bills. This gave me a way to get ahead on my own time. And that became really, really cool. It ultimately gave me the out because the hotel became very miserable. It really became a point in my life. I'm walking into the job, hating it. Even when my friends would say, hey, man, good to see you. In my head, my instant emotional reaction is, fuck you. I just, uh, I was so angry and it just was depressing and miserable. And I also had started doing trivia and karaoke at the time, doing some, some hosting gigs. Couldn't do a lot because of the hotel schedule kept fucking with me. It gave me that out. I got to sit down with my wife and say, okay, here's what I'm getting from the trivia stuff. Here's what I can do with Lyft. And I tested it. We both tested it. What happens if I go out in the middle of the day on Wednesday? What happens if I go out on Saturday night? What happens here? What happens there? So we, we learned the system. We learned the, how people work with calling for the rides, when I can maximize my money and, and seeing how the system works. 
And they added new features and did other things, Lyft did. And to ultimately go why Lyft over Uber was, number one, the, the you know, they wouldn't accept my car. But now, it's the way I look at it, is the way I actually heard I had uh, one of the head people of Lyft say it, is, hey, Uber's great, but they're a car service for the every guy. They absolutely brand themselves that. It's the blackness. It's the boldness. It's the, hey, we have high-end cars, Uber X, I think that's called. Uh, hey, we, we offer all these, you know, six different types of rides. You know, this is a car service for the everyday man on the nap. Lyft is more like, hey, we're your buddy that will give you a ride to, to the airport. You know, hey, we're your friend that will help you out. I love that. That's, and if I'm, if I, like I said to Phil, that's what it comes down to. What do you want to do? If you if you have a car that qualifies for both, it doesn't hurt to do both. A lot of people do both. But if you're looking for the best personal experience, my personal experience is, other than the guy in the swim trunks, that was really weird. But he had also gotten a brand new car. It was a fucking new car. It was nice. It was leather interior. I mean, it was sleek. And he got it through Uber, helping him finance a loan. I'm like, no, that's horrible. Oh, and if you did it that way, Phil, that's a whole different financial thing for me. Don't, you know, you do what you got to do. But I was like, oh, I'm, uh. <laughs> so Lyft is it's just this positive energy. It's so much fun. It does get called Uber a lot when people are in my car. But what has it taught me about society? It's helped me. It's helped me deal with some of my anger issues because it's easy to get in your head and go, well, fuck you, too, without actually saying it. You can be polite on the outside, but it's easy to judge people. It's easy to respond negatively in who you are to things that are going on. I've actually found that there were times when I didn't think the ride went very well, that the person was just kind of an asshat, that, you know, I'm thinking, man, fuck you. I know I'm not going to tip. Oh, that, that too. Uber has said, now they may have changed their stance because uh, I don't care anymore. By the time that I was following everything, Uber came out and said, the head of Uber said, we will never do tipping. That's not what this is about. No tips. Well, Lyft is like, uh, yeah, this is all about a give society. A val- they don't use these words, but Lyft is, this is a value for value society. And yeah, we're going to charge them fair rates and we're going to pay our drivers fair rates. And, and th- it's competitive to Uber for cost and what they pay their drivers i think lyft i think the last i heard lyft actually comes out better on both sides it's cheaper for the ride and it, they actually give a bigger percentage to their people but the biggest thing they do is encourage tipping and 100 percent of the tip goes to you because you did the job so uh that was a, a thing but there's times when i would have a ride and I'm like Ugh. but i get my report later on i see oh wait that ride that i thought was such as hat gave me five dollar tip okay that's i i, I didn't expect that and I found some of the rides I thought were great. And we had just some some great communication. It was a fun ride. They rated me four stars. And, 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 and this, this rating system bugs me. But instead of five stars, they rated me four just because. No real comment. And they didn't give me a tip. Well, you just hurt me. Because the way Lyft works is there, there's an overall average rating system for your last X amount of rides. At 4.6%, you get looked at for coaching and seeing what's going on and possible, t- you know, termination from the app as far as a, a driver. Uh, say, And I think that's the same with, with riders. If I rate somebody low, they will never pair them with me again. And that person as a rider could get banned from using the app, get locked out. Uh, and if I have time, I'll tell you a story about how I did rate somebody low. 
but here's the thing. There are definitely people who are just dicks. And there's one particular ride I remember where traffic was bad and she was trying to get to work across town. We're downtown in, in this ghetto, honestly. And I don't mind the ghetto. I think I get some great rides in the ghetto. I know a lot of people are afraid to go to the ghetto, so I actually get more business out of it. I have no fear. It's all good to me. They need a ride. It's all good to them. But this, she got in, she's had a shit attitude, and she's talking on the phone, and there's a ton of traffic. So I tried to tell her without interrupting, hey, I can go around this traffic and get you there faster, or we can sit here. And she just kind of ignored me. So I did it. Well, at some point, she's like, she didn't even talk to me. She was like, I don't know what this damn driver's doing. He's going all over the world. I, I kind of got an attitude with her. I'm like, I told you. There's traffic. I got you here five minutes faster because I went around the traffic. Do you want to sit in the traffic and wait? And she just would not acknowledge me, and I got pissed off, right? Well, sure enough, that fucking bitch rated me three stars saying I didn't know where I was going. I have no recourse to that. That's why the system bugs me because it barely dinged my my rating. And, you know, five is a perfect rating. Actually, they want you 4.9 and higher is perfect rating. 4.7 to 4.8 and it's a fair average is you know you're doing okay you could show some improvement and 4.6 and lower is they'll talk to you it still pisses me off that i should be able to go this stupid i got a really bad word i want to call her but this stupid person i'm trying to help her it's what we do in lift and she wouldn't listen to me so now i have to just be a dick and sit in traffic and still have her bitch and still probably have her fucking because she was an hour late to work already that's not my fault. I didn't do that. But you're fucking taking your shit out on me. <sighs> See, but it's taught me to breathe. It's taught me. And that's the first time I've gotten really vent about that story. But it's taught me to go, you know what? I'm j If they're on the phone, I'm going to turn my radio down, acknowledge them, and let them talk. And I'm just going to follow the map. If they're not on the phone and I know they're engaging with me, I'll try to explain. Hey, I'll do. If you want me to follow the, the map, I will do that. Absolutely. But I can get us around this if you're cool. And the other night, and so so that's one of the things that stopped me about society is, yes, I'm going to take the rating personally because it affects me overall and it could jeopardize that income stream. It's a f uh, fear. Okay, I'll call it a fear, whatever. It's a irrational emotion that I have in my head that responds to that because it really is a fair system. They've never once emailed me about it. They've never once left being them. They've never once officially contact me on anything i just get the report every time and it says your average of out of the last whatever i think it's the last 100 rides or last 50 rides or whatever your average is this it's a big source of average so as long as you really are doing mostly good you're going to be fine and i am but it, but it also has taught me the other night this is great i just actually went out and drove most of the night the other night everybody i picked up i helped it wasn't just, hey, I'm going from here to there. Where Those are fine. You're still technically helping somebody. But it was absolutely people who were in a place that needed to get somewhere else that couldn't do it on their own. And there was a ton of traffic in Atlanta. And they were drunk and having fun. I'm like, hey, you guys don't care. I'm going to take you on a uh, tour to get around this stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, show us your Atlanta. And I mean, I took them down a back alley, which they thought was amazing. And like, oh, my God, you really know all the secrets. I don't. I just went straight because I can see the map and I can see we're trying to get over here. And I can see I can get around it. But they thought I was a miracle worker, right? And my energy was, hey, I'm just here to help. I'm going to do whatever. That was a great experience. They had so much fun with that ride. And, and it, it was I was able to help them out and get them somewhere. And the ride before that, I can't remember what it was, but I helped them. But then when I, I was like, all right, my, my time is about up. And I, I just don't want to deal with this 
anymore because it's just not paying. I had a time set because I wanted to go home. I hadn't been seeing my wife in a while because we got stuff pulling us apart in different directions all the time. So I was like, hey, if things don't pick up, what time would you like me home? She said, eh, I was thinking around 11. I was thinking that too. So it was like 10.25. I pull up at downtown Atlanta making my last. So I drove. I had been driving around different areas of Atlanta, uh, bar areas, known areas to get rides. I've been driving around for an hour to an hour and a half at that point with nothing. And that's an investment in the business. It's fine. But I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to go home and see my wife. I'm going to stop by... One, I have two more places that are my favorite places to go. I'm going to hit them in order, and they're both on the way out of town. It's fine. Well, the first stop I made, sure enough, instantly grabbed this drunk, these drunk people uh, that had been having fun. I took them around the town. Went up, it was a $30 ride. I mean, went up outside north of Atlanta, and that's a 20-minute ride. So 20 to 30-minute rides. I mean, I made some good money on them. All right. I'm out in the boonies uh, for Lyft because it's only in certain areas. You can't get left everywhere. And definitely you get more calls in more populated areas, especially downtown major cities. But they've actually expanded it out to my house. They've expanded it out to some country areas around me. Well, it turns out maybe I have a different way of doing lift. And this is what else has taught me is, hey, if I go in going, I'm going to help people and I'd love to make money at that, which is exactly what I do here with Rock Out of Podcasting. I want to help people and I'd love to make money doing that. I'd love the money to come directly from you for you to go, hey, I'm grateful for this help because God, making that that connection, giving back to something that's given to you grows it and makes it so much bigger. And that is something I've learned with Lyft. When I treated it just like a job, my mind, because it does so many different things, my mind would always calculate what per hour I made. And it was a shit number no matter what I made. And I had to train myself. And this is a lesson for me in how I interact with society. I had to train myself to go, no. It doesn't matter your hourly rate. You have zero desire to have an hourly job. What did you make today? $50, $60. Cool. That goes into the bank account. That's all you need to know. Oh, all right. So w- that actually freed me up to leave the hourly job to go, I can go make 50 or 60. I- I'll go put 10, 12 hours in to make $60 because it's $60 today that I made that I didn't have before. And then, oh, hey, I got trivia tonight. That pays me $50. It's for two hours. So, actually, that's a good hourly rate, but it doesn't count for my drive time or setup or breakdown. You know, it doesn't matter. It's $50 in the bank. And that adds up. And changing that fucking mindset of what's my hourly rate? What am I going to make at the end of the day? To, oh, I made this money. And go, oh, look, look how it adds up. All of a sudden, I mean, I told the story somewhere. I told the story that in 2016, July of 2016, or June, actually, I think it was, was the first month in 2016, which is the first year I 100% worked for myself. 100%. Now, towards the end of 2000, no, at the middle of this year, in the middle of this year, I ended up getting a W-2 job, technically speaking. He still treats me like a contractor. It's the EMS show that I do, uh, EMS Underground, with Tom Campaign and the school. They're to talk about my EMS days and they'll take this brand of of how I tell stories and engage people and talk about stuff that's outside the books and and that's not taught anywhere. It 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 does that. It's a show. I'm I'm the communicate media specialist for them, but I have no office hours. I have no demands on me. It's easier for him and his paperwork to do it at W-2. So if anybody ever is like trying to fact check me, like, oh, no, you got this stuff. Yeah, okay, it's legally a W-2, but it is not an hourly job at all. He pays me. I go do my thing when I do it, when we can, whatever. Shut up. (laughs) So anyway, 
So I, it freed me up to go, oh, instead of figuring out how much per hour I'm making, what the end, end of the month is going to look like, let's look at how much this builds up and, and make myself available for more income. And Lyft absolutely fills in all the gaps. Uh, karaoke Trivia and Mingo took over for a while, and it paid the money. And so everything was good. And, and then when things get slow with Trivia, Bingo, and Karaoke, when it slows down a little bit, I hop right back in the car and I go out. Man, that has given me such freedom to know I can hustle without going, how do I hustle? How do I get a seasonal job? How? No. I jump in the car, turn on the app, and I go. So I'm out in the boonies, right, as far as Lyft is concerned. It's a place called Woodstock, north of Atlanta. It's not really boonies, and people might take offense to it. But for Lyft, there's not that many calls generated over time in that area, and there's definitely not that many drivers in that area. But people still want to use it. So I dropped this this family off, and I, I text my wife, like, all right, it's going to be about an hour, a little over an hour to get home because I'm almost as far away from the house as I can be with Lyft uh, on my way. She's okay, well, five minutes later, I get a bling, bling on Lyft and get a call. And I'm like, all right, I'll take it. And it's in Roswell. Well, that's interesting. It's 20 minutes away from where I'm at. But here's what I learned about it. This is great that this question came up now because these are literal, some of these lessons I just realized and locked in. They waited for 20 minutes because I was the only one out there who could help them. Nobody else was driving in that area. They didn't cancel. They didn't complain. They were at a Christmas party, needed a ride home, knew that they were in an area where there was not a whole lot of cars, said, okay, you're going to help us out. So I drove there, picked them up. I think I made 12 bucks on that. Actually, they gave me a tip. That family that I picked up that waited 20 minutes, I'm going to give me a tip. Took them home from the Christmas party, which is what they needed, and dropped them off. Again, you know, I'm going to make my way home from there. And, uh, you know, I left the app on because that's what I do. My, I have a hard time not trying to earn money if I can't, right? And I know I said not. Eh, I'm still working on alternative words for everything. But I, I, I leave it on. And I'm, I am almost home. And I'm to the local mall area, which is still fairly populated, to the local mall area near my house. Get a get a ride. Uh, I I hadn't even forgotten the app was on. You know, I'm in my I'm listening to my my podcast. I'm listening. I think I was listening to uh, uh, Dave Hines' show at the time, or maybe botched podcast. And check both of those out. They're they're great. Uh, I, but I was listening. I was like, oh, I forgot it was on. So I pull into the mall area to one of the restaurants that's still open. And it's sure enough, somebody's getting off of work, and I'm going to take them home. Still near my house, still only putting off getting home a little bit. And at this point, I was going to get home at one something. Now, keep in mind, at 1030, I'm trying to go home, right? And now, after I've, not, I've been out on the road since eight something because I had hung out with my friends and went to dinner. And so I got on the road a little bit later than I intended. Uh, so I'd, only been, I'd been on the road since eight something and made five bucks. So at 1030, after making five dollars and getting no other calls, I'm trying to go home. Every ride, I get the last ride because, you know, it's cool. I'm going home. It's one o'clock in the morning. I'm getting more rides. So I take this guy home. He needed a ride home. I helped him out. I actually took him over to a restaurant where he had just gotten some food instead of the restaurant he worked in because he lost his debit card and waited on him. I saved his day because he, it sucks to lose your debit card. And he was so grateful. You know, take him home, left app on, I'm pulling out of his neighborhood, get another freaking call. And this is still for Lyft. This is the boonies. This is over in Decatur and Lithonia and, and all that. And still populated area, and definitely during the day when people are going to and from work or school stuff, 
absolutely I can get some decent calls. But this is one in the morning. Everything shuts down out there. Everybody goes into the city or goes to bed. So um, get another guy, pick him up at his house. He had had a bad day. Uh, he had lost his key. It's a laser cut key, and it's going to cost him to almost three hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or something to replace it. And having a, you know, so you know, you were joking around and making his day a little better. He needs some food. We bypass where he's going and go pick up some food and then take him back and helped him out. It's one in the morning. Your options for rides are very slim at that point. So I helped him out and and then I turned off the app at that point because it was going to be two something before I got home. I was like I've been trying to get home since ten thirty. I'd like to see my wife for a few minutes before we pass out. So uh, I ended up turning off the app at that point. But that, that's that's what I've learned is I've learned to never take people at face value, to put my energy into people, to make my day happy. I've learned to change my mindset of how I earn money from an hourly wage, which we're all taught. And sometimes that's, I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just wrong for me. I, I'm saying I'm, I, I, I refuse to tell you what is right and wrong for your life. I am telling you. It is wrong for me to worry about hourly rates. And it helped free my mind for that. I'm still working on freeing my mind from the rating system. Cause it's gotten down from rage to I know it's still fine, but come on. I'm better than that. All right, moving on. That's that's where I brought it down to. It's definitely as of the other night to see it in a different light of and rock out of podcasting has changed my view of, of my life a lot from the day I started doing this. Of going, yeah. I, I, I am awesome. I am the rock guy of podcasting. I can, uh, uh, Nikolai just shared something to my page, Charles McFall on Facebook. That is a Dilbert cartoon where the boss says something about, can you change this or dumb it down or this or that? And other, and Dilbert goes, there's no kill switch on awesome. And Nikolai's like, ah, I thought of you. I'm like, yep. That's me. There's no kill switch. No, there's no kill switch on awesome. And when I did this the other night and saw that every ride was, I didn't even get depressed. I mean, there's been times where I'm driving like, no, one's calling me. I'm not making any money. I mean, I got really negative about it. Right. But this night when I'm like, all right, you know, it's cool. I just, that's what it is. It's fine. I made five bucks. I'll get back out there again. And I have the option to actually turn it on in my house. I did this the other night too. I turned it on at my house. So I'm doing stuff around the house, working on my computer. Bling, bling. It goes off. I get in my car, I go pick somebody up, take them where they need to go, come back to the house. I did that for a, a matter of about five hours, and five hours I got three rides. Because I'm not hustling, but I'm leaving the door open for money to come. And just hanging around my house with my kids, putting up the Christmas tree, whatever we were doing, I still made a good 30 bucks because I left the door open to make money. That's something I've learned through driving Lyft is, is as much as I can talk about being open to the universe, you need practical applications to show you in your life to change that habit to say, I can do that. So, man, it is absolutely, it has helped as part of the lessons to change my life and see things better and to make this show better, to make everything I do better. And that's, that is what I've, I've learned. And I want to plug again, if you, value for value, if you are getting something out of this and you have the means, first, I'm going to give you the levels of how you can help me out. The first level is email me and say you got something out of this. Message me personally, whatever you, you do. Just that communication and saying, God, thank you. I got something out of this today. I got something out of what you said there. You know what? I am honestly debating on whether this should be a ministry or a church or not. I, I, I'm absolutely going to be the Rock Out Podcasting, period. There's some conflicts of, of mentality with the idea of it being a ministry, but I'm going to use some ministerial words because it is how I can really feel like the energy is there. Did you get something out of this word today? Did it move you? Did it touch you? Th I want to hear that. I want to hear thank you 
for for what you taught on today. Thank you for for the the word you gave. Thank you for motivating me. Whatever. Thank you for entertaining. That's the first level that you can give back value for value, and it's super important because this show has a small number of listeners. A small. I want to see that grow absolutely, but it has a larger connection with everybody. We have a larger connection. We've break we've broken the rules already of what the percentages should be scientifically. On the numbers I'm getting scientifically, I should get one contact every like 10 or 15 shows. But virtually every show spawns somebody, one person, not one exact person, but one person in general emailing or contacting and saying, hey, I just listened to this. Here's the thought I had. Or, hey, you know, thanks for mentioning this over here. And that's Phil. Phil has actually submitted two questions. We ended up using them both because they play in together of the life of journey of what I've learned from my jobs. And how they they all play. I was always here to help people, always. I mean that's. I mean yeah, I had the hero complex with paramedic medicine, but as a paramedic, I was I wanted to be there to help. And that story I told of the lady, the life I truly claim I saved. And even though she died, I saved her life because of the energy. That was what I was there for. That's what I was there for for with Lyft. That's what I'm here for with this show. So you can help us saying, yeah, we got you are doing what you're here for. Artists need that. Podcasters need that. Even if they're just entertaining you about your TV show in the week. They need that feedback. Actors will need that feedback. Preachers need that feedback. We creative people need to know what we're doing is touching you. So that's the first thing you can do to give value. The second thing you do is help spread the word. Go to iTunes. Rockgodofpodcasting.com forward slash support has an iTunes logo right there. And yes, it's the same logo for giving a rating as it is for subscribing, I believe. I took it from iTunes themselves. It's the creator link, the thing that they have. and you can give a rating. I, I really need you to do that. Give me a, a starred rating and put your comments in. Comments are what people really motivate people. Word of mouth. Tell people you know who can listen to this. Yeah, there's times when I say, fuck shit and damn. There's times when I hold back on some of the worst words and sometimes I use them. There's times where I think I'll go through 90% of the show and not swear. It's about the message and it's about how I say it. And there's sometimes I just say things. It is what it is. And so I understand, though, that you can't just share it with everybody for two reasons. And I said can't personally because I know you can't. But I understand that you make a choice. You're afraid that saying, I will say it here, the F word, uh, will offend somebody. I get that. I, I have a hard time linking a show to my mother for the same two reasons. As soon as she hears damn it or shit, she's going to tune out. And then there, there's no audience there. And then the second reason is some of these things I say are radical. Some of these things I say are absolutely world-changing. And if you're not ready to have your world changed, that, that is something that has been on me for all of my life. I am radioactively energetic, and I'm contagious. And if you're not ready for that, it will make you hate me, and it will shut you down. And it has broken relationships in the past because... I carry a light. I carry an energy. And the more light I shine, the more truth I tell about my life, the more it shines on your life. And if you're ready for that, you'll love it and you embrace it and you grow. If you're not ready for that, it causes conflicts and fights and it achieves nothing except maybe planting a seed. So I understand those are two reasons that you you may choose to withhold sharing. But I'm telling you, if you're getting value for this, don't worry about everybody else. Share that value with the world. Share, I got this out of that. I got this out of this show. I love this show. That's the second way you can help me value for value. Then the third way is absolutely with your money. On that support page, there's a one-time donation button for PayPal. 
you can send it to me as a friend or family, and or you can pay it to me. Either way, I'll take the hit. If you're a friend or family, there's no fee taken. If you pay it to me, there's a fee taken. It doesn't matter how you do it. Do it your way. One-time donation, no recurrence. If you want to continuously support what I do and help it grow, I would love that. I need that. I want to help people and get paid for it. This is part of that path. So if I'm helping you and you have the means and you want to support it, patreon.com. The link is also there on the support page. It's patreon.com forward slash rock podcasting. You can sign up for whatever recurring level you want. You can put caps on it and you still get that level. So let's say you want to give $5 and get whatever the reward is on $5 on Patreon. I don't have it memorized. I'd have to go look and tell you what the levels are. Uh, But you want to give $5 to get that reward level and get that interaction and that connectivity. You can cap your level at five for the month. So instead of actually paying $20, which is the intention, sure, uh, instead of paying $20 for the month, you can actually pay five and you're still at that connected level. I believe it takes nothing away from you to do that. I believe you get what you put into it. And no, you know, there's preachers like, oh, put your hand, not not hand on the screen. What am I thinking of? Oh, the more you give, the more God blesses. No, 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 no. It's the more you, how you feel about it. You give me a dollar and that's all you can do this month, but you feel great about it. You're going to get a thousand dollars worth of feeling back. You're going to get the connectivity you want out of it. This is just the, the opening and it all adds up. I've got friends of mine who the majority of their pledges are 50 cents an episode, and they're making almost two grand a show. It adds up, people, really fast. So I have zero negativity about it. I love that you listen. I love that you put back in however you do it. And the only way for me to know that you put back in are those methods. Contact me. Share it publicly and tag me in it because I'd love to be tagged just to see that it happens and go, woo, thank you. I mean, look how I phrased all the, the milestones. I love you too. That's awesome. Let's do this thing. You know, and then financially, of course, I see that. Value for value, I can't tell you how much, how important that is, is I always try to support somebody or something with what I do. And right now I'm supporting two individuals because I love what they do and I'm just giving to them. I was supporting uh, charities before. I have supported churches before when I believed in their ministry. Giving into it, connecting into it, Gets you so much more. And it can be with time. It doesn't have to be with money. It can be with time. It just can be, thank you. As an artist, oh my God, that is so important. Thank you. That really meant something to me. And to hear how it, how it affected you, it, it just, it fires the passion and it fires that growth. So I definitely learned that with Lyft. I've definitely learned that with paramedic medicine. What you put into it, you get out of it. And I want you to get so much more out of it. And I'd love, I will, I am looking forward to the day I come back to you and say, I am making all my bills and then some off of this show. And thank you for being part of my life. And that frees me up to make this so much more for all of us. And we're going to take that journey together. And that's going to be awesome. Go out there, rock the world. And actually, you know what? I'm going to leave it to you to call yourselves what you want to call to. The thing I came up with is a metal attitude means talk radio. I've got this big hair metal energy, right? I'm this concert guy, this I'm the baddest. I'm the greatest. I'm awesome. I, every time I say I'm the right guy on podcasting, every time I do that intro, I'm just envisioning being on this massive stage in a sold-out arena, and we're all doing this together. You love the music, but it's really about being connected. And it's just this energy, and that's what I bring to it. So along those lines, the best thing I can do is we're out there to change the world. We're going to break the world and fix it. You know, We're going to stop it in its tracks and show a new way. We're bringing the revolution. As musicians have done, as artists have done, as is absolutely 
our job to do. We're bringing that. So I titled you World Rockers. It's kind of cool. I mean, you you vision it in different ways. You know, you're you're the rockers out there bringing the word. Uh, we actually physically rock the world. You know, I don't know if it's the best term, but it's what came to mind. World rockers. So that's what I'm calling you guys right now. And if you come up with something better that meets this energy, I am all years ready here. I have when it really comes down to, it, I have zero ego when it comes to credit. I will give credit where credit is due, and I am absolutely understanding that others' input helps guide what I do make it so much better than just me alone so get out there rock the world make your own stories and let's do this thing okay podcasters and youtubers my name is mike woodard otherwise known as producer slash audio engineer for the rock god of podcasting. Look, you know you're producing amazing content, but is your audio game as tight as it needs to be? If you need to level up the overall sound of your show, I'm your guy. If you need a kick-ass intro for your show, I'm your guy. If you hate the sound of your own voice and just need someone to handle your voiceover narration, I'm your guy. Need music beds? Need sound effects? Just go to mikeatthemike.com. Check out my demos and take a look at my rates. You can sound better than you do, and I can help. Mike at the mic.com. <laughs>